everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Frog Pants Spoiler Cast. I'm Scott Johnson. That's uh, Justin Robert Young over there. Hello. Hi. Hi. Nice to nice to speak to you again. Last we spoke, it was in the flesh. We uh, were. Yeah. We were at at a Nerdtacular, nerding it up. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that uh, hanging out with Scott Johnson during Nerdtacular is a lot like trying to hang out with the groom or bride at a wedding. <laughs> like. You're, is, yeah. you're very happy to see them. Sure. You're there because of them. Yeah. But uh, the time is precious. Yeah. I got to make that even better because uh, that, that is the one is the one thing I don't love about it. And I don't know how to get around it. But it's so, just so getting around that. Yeah, I mean, like there's there just too is. many people. And also it's like it's it's just a large event, you know, like it wasn't even if like there wasn't even a lot of time where like I was not doing things to right. even talk with you. So it wasn't even like that your schedule was super packed, like my schedule was super packed. And like, I'm just a dude. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just other talent as opposed <laughs> to the main talent. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, I, all that said, I savored the moments when I could hang out with uh, you and others. And uh, even though it, it seemed, you know, less of that than I hoped, it was actually, uh, truth is here, here's the funny bit. I think I spent more time with you than any one other person except maybe Ibit because we did a lot of signing and did stuff for a CD that that came out and had a lot of planning yeah. going on. Other than him, though, I think you may have you may have actually gotten the lion's share of me. I tried to I tried to corner the market. I tried to <laughs> to find the soft spots yeah. in uh, your otherwise calcified schedule, right? To uh, sneak in and uh, and sop up all the Johnson I can. Gross, gross. Fantastic. Disgusting. That is gross. All right. Well, hey, <laughs> check it out, everyone. It's the spoiler cast. And today we're talking about Pacific Rim. I keep saying specific rim because I made a joke about it in my comic and I can't get it out of my head now. So uh, it's hard for me to change back. But anyway, it's Pacific Rim. It is yeah. uh, uh, big robots. It is the future where uh, big lizard things come out of the ocean to kill us. And uh, we got to fight them. This is full of spoilers. If you're listening to this and thinking they're not going to spoil stuff, uh, you would be incorrect. And we should tell you on the air to go away until you've seen it and then come back and enjoy this. Or if you don't care about spoilers, well, then make yourself comfortable. Then you're in the right place. Yeah. So where do we start with this thing? Uh, Well, Pacific Rim. Let's let's summarize it. So Pacific Rim is about uh, a world that has to deal with a gigantic void that uh, does nothing but destroy everything around it. Or, or as I like to call it, the performance of lead actor uh, Charlie Hoonam. <laughs> oh, wait. Charlie Hoonam? I know that name from nothing. Yeah. Have ever well, anything. He's in, he's, in, um, he's in Sons of Anarchy. Well, all right. Let, let's, just, let, let's get the, uh, the, 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 the one-word reviews out of the way. Yeah. I was disappointed uh, in bold letters with this movie. What did you think? I was alternately disappointed and then kind of giddy. So I kind of had this experience of anytime any people were on screen doing anything, I was bugged and irritated and uh, felt like everything about it was lackluster from the acting to the storytelling to the character development. And this all sounds pretty trite and typical uh, in reviews and stuff, but I really did feel like it, it really suffered. And even even though I kind of knew going in that Del Toro makes movies sometimes where characters are second to whatever the spectacle is. Are they? Does Som- he? Sometimes. Not always. Sometimes. Well, I, 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 here's some examples, all right? So uh, that uh, the, the Hellboy movies are all right. But I like those characters. I do, too. I guess I liked that's them before, the thing. Yeah. Is, is they might not be, 
you know, they might not be extraordinary character arcs, yeah. but I rooted for everybody in Hellboy. I, I had feelings about every, and obviously, you know, Pan's Labyrinth is his best movie. So it's hard yeah. to, you know, compare anybody's best movie against their other work. But, uh, I, I feel like here's my problem with the reaction to it right. is that it seems like there was a lot of people going into it. And I was among them that was very excited because, hey, this looks like a big, dumb robot punching monsters movie. Right. But it's Guillermo del Toro. There's something else to it. And then it was just a big robots punching monsters movie. And everyone's like, well, yeah, sure. Turn off your brain and you enjoy it. And it's like, no, that's not – that's what we say about Michael Bay movies. That's not what we say about Guillermo del Toro movies. And I, I don't think that like we can have the let's all rally around this film – preamble yeah. without judging it against those expectations i think that's fair i think that's fair to say and i'm a big i'm a huge fan of pan's labyrinth i think it, it was one of the most affecting films i've still yet to ever see and uh you know when i heard he was attached to the hobbit i got real excited and then when that fell apart i got kind of sad because i thought well, i'd love to see his take given his uh you know penchant for for visuals and and other stuff i just kind of thought it would be unique and interesting certainly this is interesting in that way visually i would say yeah, but, but the characters suck, and they're not interesting. They're not people I want to like. Uh, they're not. I don't root for any of them. So everything they haven't earned any of those moments where they're like, "I'm doing this for you, Dad," and gets yeah. into the thing, or or any of those, like any of those moments. Okay, they kind of, sort of earned the girl when when she was a when she was young and in Hong Kong and the first attack. That happened. was good. It was all was right, good. and part of that I think lays on the the shoulders of whoever that little actress is. She kind of nailed it. She did, and I bought it. But outside of that, that they never paid that off, and they never gave that uh, they never gave that any justice. Later, I didn't feel like. And, well, I, and, okay. and everyone and, else is and, a robot and a, and a, and a, and a mannequin, dude. I, I feel like specifically there, there are a lot of things that I think dovetail into larger themes about these summer's crop of movies that particularly aggravated me about Pacific Rim. And we'll get to that in a second. All right. First, All right. the movie itself, I felt collapsed on itself logically. And this is where... A lot of people will say, hey, man, it's a movie about robots punching monsters. And if it was Michael Bay, then I would say yes, of course. If it were any other director, if it was Roland Emmerich, if it were who uh, uh, Massaworm, uh, C. Robert Cargill, yeah. uh, reviewer for a writer for AnticalNews.com, author yeah. and screenwriter in his own right. He's great. Uh, points out that there are no less than three scenes directly lifted from Roland Emmerich films. <laughs> Although I would disagree yeah. with him. He says that the ending is lifted shot for shot from Stargate. I oh, still believe I don't know that, that is lifted shot from shot from Independence Day. Yeah. You are only missing Jeff Goldblum saying, I, I, I like to use Max. And an old, old power book, uh, System 7 virus he wrote in five minutes, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then because it even has the stupid alien you know like the, who we've never seen in the movie up until this point doing the like what <laughs> i forget there listen the direct comparison for me is that the whole time i'm watching it is is independence day which i don't i i've been on the record of saying is one of my least favorite movies ever made <laughs> i'm not a fan of it i find it really obnoxious and it has some of these same problems which is you know how do the how do the president just happen to run into what's her face in the city, and how do yeah. they somehow and their dog uh, be the only ones that survive? A lot of like improbable stuff, which in movies I can accept if you pad it with decent 
likable character. Yes, or or if you're gonna waft your own your own tech fart in your own face and enjoy it, then go all in on it. Like don't if if you are in this wacky giant robot world and you're gonna make me accept the fact that these robots, which you know would cost uh, who knows uh, up teen trillions of dollars <laughs> trillions and of dollars. yeah and have them all by 2020 <laughs> up and working you know if you're gonna do that then go all in with air make it make it big and wacky give it make it be the gundam game or the the, the battle tech game or not game i keep saying game because there's a lot of sort of video game references here and my wife here's a here's a prescient moment we leave the theaters me and my wife on a date saw the movie dinner first went to that left and this is what she does. She first thing she says to me, she turns to me and she goes, so that's based on like some video game series, isn't it? And I said, <laughs> no, it isn't. I'm sure something's coming, but not yet. Like that's not where this came from. She goes, oh, well, I would have said that looked like just a big, that seemed like a big video game to me. And that means something coming from her. It does, especially when the narrative going into this online, and again, I hate to say that everybody online was saying this, because whenever we say that, we mean everybody that we follow on Twitter. <laughs> right, right. Um, and we define our own communities. Sure. Uh, but there were people that I think in our shared universe that were like, well, look, Grown Ups 2 is coming out. Pacific Rim is coming out. This is the ultimate decider on whether or not we as humanity enjoy originality or repeated tripe, you know? <laughs> and I feel like I'm not defending Grown Ups 2. I'm sure it is an unadulterated piece of dog garbage. Yeah. But, like, I don't feel like this is the movie that I am willing to cape up for and say, yes. Here, originality is on display mm -hmm. with Pacific Rim because it feels like a story I've seen before. It feels like it doesn't in any way invent reasons for its universe to exist that I've found compelling. Yeah. All of its, uh, you know, whenever we get into a logical point where it's like, well, why would they do this? It just, the movie just screams at you, whatever, it's about monsters getting punched by robots. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I took, I mean, I've, what little I've said on Twitter, I'd, I've taken a little heat for. It feels like one of those geek peer pressure moments where everybody yes. uh, wants everyone to like something. And I, and, and listen, there are things here to like. I think the tech on display here is kind of amazing. I saw it in IMAX, which helped no 3D because I, my eyes are weird. Uh, yeah. so I can never do that. Really I saw well. 2D for the record. Okay. I did not see a 3D. Fair enough. Um, IMAX looked really great. The fight scenes were great. I found myself wishing there were, there were more of them because what was left outside of that. Okay. Here's what it felt like. Uh, oh, shoot. Who directed the Batman movies with the nipples? Uh, the ones after Burton. Schumacher. Okay. Schumacher. This is what the the people parts felt like to me was if Del Toro said, look, I am making the main film. I need a secondary director to do all stupid parts. Can we hire Joel Schumacher to do them? I don't know why he's Japanese suddenly, but whatever. He, I feel like he hired Schumacher. It's his style. It's his weird, overly saturated approach to everything. It's his you comedic know, I style. I'll, I'll tell you, you ever see Phone Booth? Phone booth with Schumacher. Actually, show, phone good. booth was damn good. You're right. I, that's always the exception to the Schumacher problem. And, and the, he did another one with Colin Farrell that was like a war movie that yeah, I never saw. And the client, life. he did the client. I want to say, and the client was good. I, I mean, mean, this is not. This was a subpar movie for Guillermo del Toro, and this is. It bothers me that we are all really, and I think he has earned for me. Uh, the right to root for his movies. I have loved enough of his movies, including, listen, Hellboy is not Citizen Kane, but I loved the people in it. I loved the characters in it. I wanted to see them succeed. Sure. And 
I did not feel that about anybody except for uh, I found myself at the end with uh, when Charlie Day and Ron Perlman. Oh, you mean you? Thing. You mean you and Ron Perlman? Got yes. it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Scott, mm-hmm. me, yep. and Ron Perlman. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted him and the British guy <laughs> to solve the problem and make all these machines obsolete. But they were ridiculous, those two people. So even they if were, they, but uh, at least like uh, they had a little arc and an adventure. Although, okay, can we start cataloging the the and let's all understand that. We're invalidating the answer to any of these questions <laughs> that starts or ends with, but it's a monster robot movie. Shut up. Right. Like, all right, let's just catalog some of the ridiculous elements of what we are made to believe. Number right. one, right. understand that in 2001, 19 people with box cutters and like Google Docs <laughs> executed a plan that has skyrocketed our national defense by trillions. All right. 19 dudes, yeah. box cutters. Okay. Monsters are literally exploding out of the ocean uh-huh. at a record rate <laughs> and destroying whole cities. And at some point, the, the bureaucrats of the world and the military industrial complex is like, eh, no, no more. <laughs> we're just going to build. We don't need more money. Let's build a wall. And <laughs> right. if we're going to build a wall, okay. So let's, because I also, let's take it one more step. You have... The uh, the idea that humanoids destroying creatures that are bigger than them is not a new problem. When we faced elephants, wild elephants, we don't build a gigantic robot elephant to punch the elephant until it dies. Right. We have guns and things, <laughs> right? Like, this is not a new problem. It's just a larger version of an old problem that we've been solving forever. Right. And beyond that, like, punching is the most ineffective form of combat. <laughs> you just scaled. Yeah, they just scaled up the fight. Now, I, I am willing to say, okay, this is where I may split from you a little bit. I'm willing to accept the idea that this voltron-esque future yes can exist because there is something there's a kid in me who's going dude giant effing robots they're huge they're run by two people it sucks they have to share a brain because of that nosebleed deal but still it's i guess it's kind of cool and then they can punch real hard and when they do they got jet propelled propelled elbow that makes them punch harder and they're swinging like freaking aircraft carriers around which apparently are still needed for something else i don't know what but yeah. uh, the, the, I can get behind all that stuff. And when that was on display, it's really uh, beautiful and it's really brutal and it's loud and it's great. And it's all those things. But because that is frosting on a cake made of shite, <laughs> I don't like well, but, the rest right, of the but cake. Here's, but here's, here's the thing is I don't think that justifying that is impossible. You just have to make an effort. And I don't feel like they did. Right. And I feel like it was just, you know, because you can't have it both ways. You can't have it where it's like, well, listen, here's, because somebody said to me on Twitter, well, it was a movie with a very simple premise. It's not a movie with a very simple premise. It's a movie with a very complex premise that involves alternate dimensions and rifts in time and space yeah. and huge engineering feats, the likes of which we've never seen and, and, uh, tele- and, and uh, engineer telepathy to, to make sure that these things can run yep. uh, accordingly, you know? Yep. Like, if you are writing reasons for all of these, then you are taking on the challenge of 
the entire universe. And uh, it made me reevaluate his other movies because I would say that Guillermo del Toro is a magic writer and not a science fiction writer. Mm. Everything else that he's done has been magic, which means you can invent the rules. Yeah, Science fiction... You can invent the rules, but you have to invent the rules within a framework. And you're talking, I mean, and, and let's be clear, we're talking about Del Toro movies that he has helmed, written, imagined. We're not talking about like Mimic, which was uh, someone else's project sure. and he was hired sure. to direct it or whatever. Yeah, but the ones that he has had control over, and even the ones, if you look at what he's produced, he's tended to guide more toward ghost stories and stuff like that. I quite like Mimic, by the way. I just want to put that out there. I actually like that movie a lot, but. That's neither yeah, here nor there. Well, he, he really yeah. separated himself from that project, and I don't know why, and there was some stuff. But again, he he did a fine job of making me care about characters in Mimic, um, and the actors were pretty good. I, n- none of that is on display here. And again, that goes right back to my my, my main but problem here. I guess here. Here's, here's, here's my thought about it, is that they, all of those other movies, either were smaller stories... Like Pan's Labyrinth takes place in the countryside of Spain, right? right? There's not a lot of, you can do whatever you want in that field and you can just say, well, whatever. The magic is taking place in this field and that's why there's not other things happening. Blade is about, Blade 2, obviously is an, an, an existing story, but is a magic vampire story that takes place in the underworld. Yeah. So it's obviously supposed to be secret. It's, Hellboy, another yeah. thing where, the fact that it is secret is why the rest of the world doesn't react a certain way. And it's more this fantasy is a and demons and larger. Right, 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 right. No, no demons here. No, no fantasy characters. No, none of that. It's, it's just pure. Here are aliens that happen to be coming up rather than down. And here are giant robots to fight them. Pure science fiction. You know, it's the more we talk about this, the more I'm a bit irritated how this year promised to be, at least so far, promised to be. The banner year of science fiction. We were going to get all these new properties. You know, Elysium still looks amazing, and I can't wait to see it. But, but, but these things keep coming out. Oblivion, After Earth, this, Ender's Game's on the way. Like, there are others I'm not even mentioning. And they've all sucked hard. <laughs> like, this well, one, maybe this one less than others. But, you know, After Earth was a freaking stinky turd. Yes. And, and, and Oblivion was just kind of, eh, it came and went. Nobody cared. Um, I shouldn't say how it is because I haven't seen it, but uh, and I will. But Star Trek was obviously controversial. Star Trek, sure, absolutely. It, so okay, none of this compare, has been a clean. There's been no clean sides. Yeah, go ahead. Compare this movie to either of the Star Treks. Yeah, and you can say that there are plot holes to beat the band in either Star Trek. <laughs> right, but right. I I forgave them watching it because I like those characters. I like the relationship between Kirk and Spock. I felt like. There was weight to their decisions, even if they were going to be invalidated by some very convenient thing that happened, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I cared about the human responses. And in this movie, I really didn't, even though they do the Star Trek, the first Star Trek. Uh, actually, I guess both of them had, like, that initial opening little coda to the movie and then began with, like, the bum, 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 this is Star Trek kind of opening <laughs> Uh, and this right. one does the same thing, except it's just like, hey, I run a thing, brother. Right, brother? Yeah, we're going to take off this thing. Uh, and then, like, the guy dies, and it's like, whoa, Pacific yeah. Rim. <laughs> right. Late, very late title card, title card in this movie. So well, here they do, like, a 20-minute uh, uh, explanation for this super simple plot for everybody <laughs> who wants to hold on to that idea. Right, right. If anything... 
maybe I'm misunderstanding. Maybe he was channeling like a like a Voltron story, like he was pulling from simple anime roots on this and saying, "Well, they was those were never complicated. I loved those. Let's let's do that and have these characters be that paper thin." Maybe it was intentional, but I wonder as I walked out of that theater and my wife was confused about its video game origins that don't exist. I had this one thought in my head, which was this. And the dream sequence kind of helped reinforce this thinking. What what if the tone had been more del Toro tone, had been more, less in the Hellboy direction, which is a little lighter, you know, a little more general audience fair, and more in the direction of Pan's Labyrinth or more in the direction of some of his earlier work, what if what if this movie was truly terrifying? These these creatures were leaving gray ash waste everywhere they went, and these this girl who's emblematic of that is truly terrified. It is the absolute loss of all human innocence, and it's the worst thing humanity's ever faced. Let's have some real death. Let's have an R rating. Let's have this feel like serious trouble. And let's not go in, you know, guns blazing cowboy style and Michael Bay style with all the acting and the and the approach to all of this material and actually approach it from this grim, dark humanity's only hope is this, you know, this marvel of, of, of engineering we've created and make that stuff be meaningful. Make those deaths be grisly. Make it. I'm not just asking for more violence. I just mean tonally. They could you have know, gone it would have been a different movie, but I don't know if it would have been, for me, a better movie. I, I wanted it to go in the other direction. I wanted it to be more fun. Mm. I wanted there to be more kind of comedic beats to it. I wanted it to be something where I could walk in and walk out with a smile on my face. Yeah. But something that got in the way, and this is, you can't blame this movie for what has come before it this summer. But I'm, I'm done with Carnage for a little bit. I'm done with cities being destroyed for a couple months. Like, I don't know how many more movies I can, I can, uh, I mean, like I found myself just kind of left cold with yet another 12, 15 minute scene where it's just cities being completely destroyed or landmarks being taken down. Uh, I, I don't, I don't find the joy in that. And internally to the logic in the movie, uh, so they go out in, in the opening scene, the gypsy danger rescues uh, what from the ocean, Scott, before uh, it takes on the monster. The, uh, uh, a ship that Discovery was filming for crabbing in uh, Alaska. Exactly. Right. Yes. Alaska uh, King crab ship. So as the gypsy danger comes to the rescue of all the other kaiju, or sorry, the other uh, Jaegers while they are... Uh, Fighting the kaiju. And by the way, Jaegers, kaiju, awesome naming convention, really cool. I love, I love how that every time a new category forward comes through, all right, we're codenaming this one Leatherback. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love that crap. That stuff's great. Just one thing okay. to know. Keep going. But what was the gypsy danger dragging through the, through the streets <laughs> as it <laughs> confronted the other kaiju in the middle of Hong Kong? A giant... A uh, boat that looked like it was probably an aircraft carrier or something a that big. A bigger ship. Yeah, a bigger that boat. Stands to reason would have more people in it <laughs> than the one that they went out of their way to rescue, and they are now swinging around like a Louisville slugger. Even if it was, even if it was empty, the the things that ship, the the damage and and destruction that oh. ship is causing. And how do we know that? It, how do they know? It's not like they did like a, like. Oh, we scanned the ship. Nobody in it. Let's pick it up. It's like. 
You know, you know, there's some undocumented worker pooping himself uh-huh. in, in the mess hall as he is like <laughs> swung into the wall and his, his head breaks and, and bleeds out. Right. Totally. No, no, no. Yeah, it, this again, when we get, when we have CGI-fied everything and, we're, and we move away further and further from physical, practical effects, this is a tendency I think people take because then, then the, the, the stakes are just lower. And I don't mean the stakes of like, oh, what would real people do if they were alive and in that building you just smashed? I don't mean that. The stakes of how much it costs to, to pull off a good practical effect uh, skyrockets and CGI gets cheaper. So what you end up with is so much fakery that the filmmakers aren't having to worry about anything anymore. And part of that is a disconnect they make with But you can human worry life. about tone. You can worry about tone. In a world where you can write any special effect you want, then you have a greater... Uh, you have a greater freedom to say that we want to illustrate a certain point uh, as opposed to but another they don't one. do it instead they and use they that they use that chutzpah to say all right we're not going to worry about all these people dying but instead we're going to have the corniest stupidest moment where that fist stops in that office building after being thrust through who knows how many offices just enough to just touch that stupid little eternal machine thing on people's desks the little balls like dick 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 balls things that was yeah. the stupidest moment. Now, I know what they were well, going and, for. And they did the gag twice within like 10 minutes, right? Because right, they right. do the like, you know, the like, oh, it's coming really, really close. And then the bird flies out. And that was a funny gag once. And then like 10 minutes later, they go right back to the right same Right back gag. to it. And that gag Wait. is fine, but you didn't earn – you didn't uh, – in this case, I think they – it's not that they didn't earn it. They just overdid it and then said, eh, what if we had this – what of this stupid idea in here? What about that? Ah, so sounds we, good. Put, go for it. So, so we want to stop, uh, you know, and I would, I would be okay if at some point somebody tells Stringer Bell from The Wire, uh, listen, your multi-trillion dollar a month boondoggle is over. We are no longer going to be funding these crazy gigantic robots. We now want to build a physical structure that will stop these things. Uh, but instead of a wall, because that's really stupid – why don't uh, – since all these things come out of one spot at the bottom of the ocean, yeah. why don't we build a dome around the one spot <laughs> and then just shoot nuclear missiles into it? <laughs> how about that? And then how about this? Like, oh, my God, they broke out of the dome. Good thing we built another dome on top of that one mm-hmm. and just continued to build recurring domes. Right, just dome after dome. I mean that whole that whole bit of – I'm okay with a little techno babble about you know needing to close the 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 thing and they kind of alluded to the idea that you couldn't get giant too many giant lizards through at once like they could only you know pop out a couple at a time or whatever because otherwise why weren't those things just coming out one after another why wasn't it just <laughs> why not an army of those and just end humanity once and for all you know I mean like that as as much as I agree with that logical point I think it's at, at least like. You can always write it off to, well, they understand time differently or something. Maybe to them, they, they are sending things out one after another sure. because they think of things differently. Well, the different uh, the dream sequences when your character was uh, hooked into its brain, uh, they, he, I mean, he was showing them working away on stuff. It's not like they were sitting around doing nothing. So maybe they were putting, them, they were which, putting these out as fast as they could. Which brings me to my next point. Yeah. So the idea is that this drift technology will allow – two people to connect through a neural pathway. Right. So they connect through a neural pathway. Charlie Day connects to the brain. Yeah. 
through a neural pathway and then sees into the rift. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Shouldn't he just see that thing? Well, because it's that thing's memories, right? Like it's it, supposedly it can see if it was alive, it could see Charlie Day's memories where he's hanging out in that bar in Philadelphia. Okay. And then they, then, and then why, he, <laughs> as Ron Perlman says, is the new kaiju looking for him? That's the stupidest thing in the movie. <laughs> it's one of the stupidest thing that they, that he can somehow, first of all, how was he hunting him down in the first place? There's no connection now. Well, I mean, how does he know? He doesn't unless know. The other, unless point. the dead brain is in some way networked through the dimension thing. Which, by the way, <laughs> when they go into the dimension, they're like, oh, he gave her his oxygen. What an amazing networking solution that is. <laughs> that past this dimensional rift, they are able to remain connected and get data from this massive machine. I can't get cell reception when I walk into a dead spot in my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, there, yes. Okay, but again... I'm okay with all of these nitpicks if sure. if they just go whole hog and then match, somehow match character to what's happening. They're not doing that with character. They're just, they're just saying, all right, well, how simple a tough guy can our main guy be and how conflicted can he be about his brother being lost and, and how can this girl be so, you know, how can we make sure we get, uh, let's see, revenge. We need revenge out of her and we need uh, submission. Can we do those two things? Okay, great. Like they're just so two dimensional on the people that yeah. that I can't buy the rest of the crazy because they're too simple for me. People are saying in the chat room that uh, there was mentioned that the monsters have a hive mind, which fine, great okay. monsters have a hive mind. Borg, wonderful. That's what you want. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean that's it, it, it. Just all all of the decisions, the science fiction world building decisions, which has otherwise been a. Uh, a strength for Guillermo del Toro movies is the world world building is what he is known for. Yeah. That's uh, his thing. All those decisions just seemed really contrived to set up plot beats as opposed to existing in reality for, for, you know, for a better reason, in including why they shut down the Jaeger program, right. including like why, uh, you know, they only do that just so they can have them like, Oh, well we're, we're un we're, we're out of people, and that's why we have to find the guy who's washed up building. Oh yeah! A wall. And by the way, when you're building your giant wall that's supposed to keep out Category Four kaiju's, uh, make sure that you just have terrible worker relations and bad pay, and telling them that if they want to if they want these three extra jobs, you can eat tonight. Like your most important defensive structure in the history of mankind, <laughs> and you're treating it like uh, a sweatshop in China. The it doesn't that does not work that won't be a thing that will hold anybody back like that kind of weird uh depression era <laughs> approach to the wall just bothered me because i thought well that you're all wasting your time with this giant thing first of all because it's just not going to hold and that's a plot device but well and they go yeah and like the kaiju goes through it in like five seconds yeah just he's through and and, that, and then and then like they waste like two seconds from the president being like well i still think it's good so yeah that's why we're not just gonna immediately reinstate the jaeger program right and i'll give uh, i'll give any man a, a solution i'll give any man a cup of uh hot gruel if he'll climb up there and solder for a <laughs> half an hour like it's that stuff just big disconnect for me but i but aside from all of that again for me it's tone it's bad acting it's a weird thing so let me ask you this is so if del toro didn't do what he normally is capable of doing yeah 
I don't think it's as simple as, well, he just doesn't know science fiction. He hasn't done it before. There's something else afoot here. Like, is it we're over budget? Freaking the studios are pissing me off. Fine. We'll just make more robot punching. Like, what? where do you think his head's at? Because this does not feel like a thing he would walk away going, yeah, I'm, I'm damn proud of my work here. Well, I mean, it, we didn't hear any of that. No, no. It was all super positive. This is Guillermo del Toro's vision. If I'm going to point the finger at anybody, uh, you know, it's him. But if I'm forced to point my finger at somebody else, it would be Travis Beecham, the writer <laughs> of the original screenplay for Pacific Rim, who I'm going to give you one guess as to his last previous big credit. Oh, I want to see this. Hold on. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to take a guess. I have no idea. Let's say it's. Some other flop. Uh, freaking, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Clash of the Titans. Oh, wait a minute. Not even uh, not even the new one. This is Clash in 2010. Yep. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, I'm clicking on it now. Clash of the Titans, Dog Days of Summer, Seconds, Booth, and Methuselah's Ledger. Haven't heard of any but of these. But if you look at this as a Guillermo del Toro movie, for me, I'm like, this was a subpar Guillermo del Toro movie. If I look at it as a Travis Beecham screenplay which is where a lot of my problems with the movie lie is in the screenplay not necessarily the execution although i thought that the acting specifically by the main character was atrocious right um and i am not like a knock the acting guy like i i I very rarely people are like oh man the acting that was terrible and usually i can get I, i i'm just i'm not particularly keen to notice stuff like that sure uh this one i was just like whenever he was on screen i was like well, now I understand why they edited all the trailers to never mention him and act like Idris Elba was the main character. Right. <laughs> uh, That's true. But as a screenplay, it seems consistent. I mean, this seems like a screenplay from the guy who wrote Clash of the Titans. Which was so freaking bad. So, so okay, fine. All of that. Good. Done. We've made a movie. The characters suck. The robot fighting's okay, but... Does this we getting a sequel out Warren of this? Because says someone needs to call in and describe why they love the movie. No, no, you don't get to. No, that's not what <laughs> the show's about. Show. This is us being. You know, look, we're not. People aren't going to always agree with this. So here's here's one of those shows where you don't get a chance listen, to listen. I mean, I understand a lot of people dug it, and I can hear. I will do the pro Pacific Rim movie review. Go for it. It looked amazing. Yeah. Uh, we have never if. In a world where uh, we've seen a lot of big carnage movies, these this was something that made credibly, uh, you know, made look credible. Gigantic robots and gigantic monsters. This creature design was amazing. There are performances that are that are standout, and I would say Ron Perlman and Charlie Day uh, were were among them. Uh, it was. I don't think the running time was really all that long. No, no you know, it wasn't bad. Uh, and it was a fun summer turn off your brain movie. And yeah. that that's, you know, you know, I'm sure seeing it on a Friday night in 3D with everybody all juiced up for it. Like when the lady says like, oh, no, there's only one thing left. The sword that we should have been using since the beginning of the fight. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I was I was arguing with a friend of mine, Chase Goforth, on on Twitter and he was like, I was like, where's the fun? And he's like, oh, the, the theater cheered when she said sword. And I'm like, well, then, all right, that's cool. I'm yeah. not down. I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody else seem like their time at the movies wasn't a fun time if they had it. That's awesome. 
I'm really glad. Yeah, I, but, I'm one of the people that had kind of a decent time. I didn't. I have a lot of introspection about it, and I didn't love much of it. But there was moments where I was like, "Yeah, my, it's freaking July, and it's it's thundering outside. This is a better place to be than that." And I'm with my wife, and this is cool. And that popcorn's not bad. Like I'm having an okay time. You know? Yeah. I'm, I've had worse experiences in movie theaters. I'll say that. You know? Uh, yeah. No. I mean, it was not. I'm trying to think of a movie that I hated. Like Die Hard, like the new Die Hard. That was a movie that I literally, I, I wanted to stop oh, watching. I still haven't, movies. yeah, I didn't see it. I, it's, I, yeah. it's a, it, like, it is really just like, it might as well just be the entire cast and crew laughing at you for buying a ticket. Like, it's that just, bad. it's wow. like, a, it's like a practical joke. It's just like, nobody cares. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, what? You want to see an explosion? Well, here, let's blow up a car or whatever, sucker. All right, last worst movie you've seen in the last year and a half. Is that it? Is that the one? That's the one that I left the angriest. Like I left angry leaving that and like I had low expectations. I just expected, you know, a diehard retread. I expected sure. something along the lines of the sequel that came before it, which I thought was fine. It was, it was all a right. fun night sure. of the movie. Sure. If they're gonna keep making um, sequels, that one was one of them. That was okay. But that, and again, I, it's yeah. like if that movie was directed by Guillermo del Toro and everybody was like, Come see the 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 future of originality at the cinema, and then then die hard. Uh, live free or die hard is unspooled in front of me. I'd be like, well, this kind of sucks compared to what I thought it was going to be. Right. And that's where I am with Pacific Rim. Yeah. If this, if this movie was treated like a Roland Emmerich film, I would have been like, Hey, cool. This is kind of what I expect from a role, a Roland Emmerich film, yeah. but it wasn't. And nobody treated it like that. We all treated it like it was the second coming. And so it gets treated like the second coming. Well, I went, <clears throat> maybe part of my problem is I went in, really wanting it to to be the second coming like i really thought all right he's he really hasn't let me down before i like what he does uh ron perlman makes an appearance in this who i'm a giant fan of i thought he was yeah kind of terrible in this Um, playing the ron perlman role basically but it's not even good ron perlman like he's done better ron perlman in three other del toro movies and that includes uh, his stint wasn't he? I think he was a vampire in that second Blade movie. Like he's yeah, <clears throat> he can pull stuff off and does really well. And he was great as Hellboy and was sardonic as hell. And he matched the character in the comic and really made me happy. And here it's just wasted and dumb, like just hammy, dumb, boring. I could care less about any of that stuff they were doing. I should have loved that. A guy that harvests the organs from these things keeps That's it in this great. place. Yeah. Oh, it's That's a brilliant cool. idea, brilliant idea laid out on film. Big fat waste of time. Hey, remember when they weren't uh, surprised by uh, harvesting the wings off that one right. kaiju? Right. Yeah. Why were they building that. a wall? Right. <laughs> well, you know, if you go high enough, you, I don't know. See, that's the problem. It went to <clears throat> space. Yeah, oh, that's true. It took, I forgot. It took him all the way up to Iron Man height and then dropped it him Iron, Iron Man style. It was, in, it was going through re-entry. Yep, yep. And the Iron Man, that's funny because that whole scene, very reminiscent of Iron Man. So it may as well have been Jeff Bridges pulling him that high. And then he drops him. And my, man, and even I'm looking at that robot going, all right, so we're doing that whole thing where everything shuts down because it's too cold up here. All right, got it. Check that one off the list. Oh, wait. Even the robot's got a giant... Uh, freaking iron man uh reactor light in the middle of its chest like if, yeah. if, if 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 you tell me that they weren't at least trying to invoke the you know the well-made and popular iron man films with that moment then i will i will eat your cheese because there's no way they weren't trying to at <laughs> least invoke it 
You know, at least try to tweak you a little bit and say, hey, remember this from Iron Man 1? The little scene there? We're just going to shoot the same damn scene. It was the same. It, that was the same scene. And then you see another thing go, oh, this is, there's Independence Day. Oh, here's a uh, freaking Transformers. Ooh, I had a, I forgot to tell you this. Here's I, Top Gun. Yeah, here's Top Gun. Totally. I had a moment. Just a moment. Oh my gosh, Top Gun all over the place. That guy, that other guy was like Iceman and a dick oh, all the time. Oh, he was Iceman to be the band. Totally, dude. Oh my gosh, I don't even want to think about that. Goose dies. Goose died. <laughs> Goose totally died. All right. No, that's weird. I hadn't thought about those connections, but that's totally true. All right. So uh, there was a moment in the movie, and this is kind of call this what you want, but I'm not a fan of the Bay, uh, the Bay Transformers films. Yeah. But I'll lie. I'd be lying if I said there weren't a couple of scenes where there was a weird compulsion, like physical compulsion, where I wanted Optimus Prime to drop down and stop everything and save everybody. Like it was a weird, weird moment where it wasn't just, wouldn't it be cool? I don't mean like that. I mean, like, I felt like that was going to happen and should happen, where he would just drop down and go, all right, everybody calm down. I got this, you know, and he would save the day with the other Autobots. Because they're more likable than the people driving these things. Yep. That's what I'm getting at. Having having Optimus Prime drop down and him, him and Ratchet are better characters, even in Bay movies, than the guys driving these things. There I, were more personalities exhibited by robots in Transformers than there were by the actual humans. Right. And you don't believe it's really hard to explain the kind of pain that actually causes me just a little bit of pain in the back of my neck to even say it. Because I hate those movies. I think they're terribly made and they they pee on the legacy of great Transformers stuff. But anybody who approaches this and says, oh, yeah, this makes the Michael Bay movies look like, you know, complete trash. This is the giant robot movie for me. I saw somebody say like, oh, and I forget who it was, but they were like, oh, this one makes Cloverfield look like a piece of poop. What? And I'm like, and I'm like, well, for whatever problems you might have with Cloverfield, Cloverfield was not a movie that I would, I mean, like it is a response to movies like that, right? Sure. sure. Yeah. Like it is a commentary on those movies. Like, like what would, it, what would happen if you were a person in the battlefield, which I'll tell you what, that being said, I feel like we – I really got to rewatch after this summer. I want to rewatch Cloverfield. Yeah. I feel like Cloverfield is a more resonant film after this summer of every city getting destroyed yep. than, than it ever has been to see like, oh, look, people exist in this world. People whose birthdays it is and are moving away and have crushes <laughs> and you know want to live a fuller life and, and are going to be casualties in this mass horror. Yeah. No, but the but the ingredients are right. You've got I don't mind the stereotyped American jockey pilot guy. I don't mind the damaged but vengeful Chinese girl. Like these are the Australian team, the teams. I love the idea of teams. The three Chinese guys and there's a third arm on that damn thing. The yeah. the Russian ones as cartoony as they were, it was basically Zangief in a suit, but basically Exactly. That I did Zangief had more lines in yeah, Street Fighter 2 than that guy did. <laughs> totally did. But the idea that that's like the the old model, but damn that thing is scrappy and it's got a big round head on it. It's all industrial like Russian industrial stuff and those are all concepts i love i sleep with i like i want to make out with it's great i like the stereotypes of them i like how they're just archetype is all up to hell and back 
and the three basketball the three basketball playing Chinese guys like all that stuff totally cool with it. You just didn't treat any of it right. You just squandered all of those archetypes, and they could have been really fun. Okay, listen, Kaboy uh, in the chat room is saying that this is Armageddon with robots and monsters. I will submit to you that I liked the mining crew in Armageddon. No, yeah, the characters are great. I mean, I thought, it's, it's a big stupid movie, but they're... It's they're, a big dumb movie, but I like them. Right. Like, I wanted to spend time with Bruce Willis, and I wanted to see Ben Affleck's stuff... Animal crackers up Liv Tyler, and I wanted to see <laughs> Owen Wilson in a pre-Owen Wilson-y role, and I wanted to see the fat guy. Right. Like, they were all doing those see, guy things. I want to see Michael Clark Duncan uh, die in a terrible way because he sacrificed himself for everybody else. Like, I want... You're absolutely right. Like, Armageddon's big, dumb, loud, full Cowboy, of holes. Cowboy, sorry. It's Cowboy, right, right, right. Cowboy, yeah. yeah uh, JJ at Nerdtacular. Hey, JJ. Oh, it's JJ. Yeah, you JJ. know JJ. Sorry, JJ. Yeah, no, sorry. He'll kill you next time you see him. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> point is that, uh, that all those things are fine. I don't mind those archetypes. Those are great. Bring them on. But you don't know what you're doing with them. And I'm not saying it's Del Toro. It's probably the screenplay dude. I don't know who's at fault here. But you, tr- you took those cool ideas for characters and just didn't even – you couldn't even get the stereotypes right. You just kind of you just kind of floundered around and going, eh, I don't know. This one guy's kind of pissed. This girl over here. So remember the Australian Jaeger when the guy when Iceman was getting all up in um, Homeboy's face and yeah. he was like, "I want to make it back alive." <laughs> this is not a knife. They were so um, those the accents, man. Oh man. Like so, the plan was to drop off the nuclear bomb, yeah, and then leave right. alive. Drop it down right? the hole, down the gullet, and then leave. Yeah. So Idris Elba, an Australian asshole. Iceman decide to sacrifice themselves. Yeah. Well, and then at the end, yeah. Uh, main character and Chinese girl both fire off in escape pods. <laughs> right in the older model that supposedly is outdated. in the older model yeah. on the other end of a collapsing <laughs> tunnel to another dimension. Yeah, they're in Matrix world when this happens. Get through in uh, escape pods. <laughs> right. So why couldn't the other guys go out in escape pods yeah. when they, when the mission was supposed to be that they drop off the thing and then leave? Yeah, the the Russians I understood they drowned right like they that their cockpit was open they were in the water the pressure they're done they're, they're yeah. done I get it you can't get to an escape and pod. that gurgle was the only line the guy had <laughs> he did Russian a great gurgle. Russian gurgle ah <laughs> uh, the Russian gurgle is my favorite dropkick move in uh, when I used to wrestle. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. What? So they couldn't get out, and the two that did got out under very uh, interesting circumstances. They're in this nether world. They're able to poop that thing up through the five sphincters of hell, or whatever the hell that was, and then up the throat and out the thing. Do it all in yeah. time, and and the sorry just in time for Will Smith to bring out his victory day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, and they just leave. You know, Paul Hogan and uh, freaking <laughs> the, the guy from The Wire just there. You know, they, I understand the need. So look, I understand the need for a sacrifice in the film. Like, I get the idea that somebody needs to. Like, say, all right, the escape pods are jammed. Just we say one cut. line, right. Oi, the escape pods are jammed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you what. I felt more for the character arc of Australian Iceman than I did for our main character. Yeah. 
Well, like by the end when he's like, my dad told me to take the shot. Like I was like, yeah, you've learned something. Kill yourself. <laughs> like, uh, and then, you know, that, that's cracking me up more than like, I think they meant it to. But anyway, you have the dude. He's like, oh, no, he may not be alive. Yeah. Or hugging me too hard. <laughs> I can't breathe. Ha 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 ha. We beat him. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it, it's yeah. some of those things have problems. All right, a couple quick notes here. Burn, yeah. Burn Gorman, who played the British uh, scientist with the cane. Uh, last seen in uh, for me anyway, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, he was one of the henchmeny people working for Bane. Okay, uh, he's pretty cool. So that guy's all right as an actor. <clears throat> Again, yeah. kind of wasted here. He was also Carl, K-A-R-L in Game of Thrones. I don't remember what that character did or what the point of that was. Oh, I sneezed. Huh? Um, anyway, interesting character. I like to just throw a few of these people out. Uh, that guy's all right. Charlie Day pretty much is only doing TV and now he has this. So this is good for him, I suppose. It's good for his career. Oh, he's got the Horrible Bosses franchise. They're doing another one of those. Oh, they are. Was that yeah, good? No, Charlie Day. Do you, do you see that business? Was that good? Uh, I have not. Um, it got good reviews though. All right. Uh, let's see. I'll tell you what he was like, but of all the people, as much of a caricature as he was and, and the British guy, like, uh, I felt like they were as, they were as as cartoony as they were. Yeah. They were like just so sorely needed in a movie where like I didn't like anybody. That's interesting. Like, that you it, found them. They kind of saved. A, they had some saving grace for you, whereas they drove me completely up the wall uh, the entire time. I mean, like, I, I guess it's like I understood. It's like, all right. Yeah. Well, they're bickering and they hate each other and then they're going to come together. And eventually, like, you get like the really although I didn't really get the comedic beat where Charlie Day is like because he's like a fairly studious guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then he's like, we're going to get this thing. And then the dude, like, as if it's, like, Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop, where he's, like, speaking some kind of street slang that yep, uh, the yep. British guy doesn't get. Totally. Totally. Now, I'm, I'm, by Joe, we're going to do it. <laughs> That's my problem. I felt, Again, it's like, oh, this is the weird – this is like Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey in that horrible Batman movie. But, you know, I guess it was just – at least it wasn't another scene of the main character, like – Sometimes when you're there, you have to make decisions. <laughs> yeah. Decisions that stay with you. Right. <laughs> and then Idris Elba doing like, <laughs> I watched it with Brett uh, Roundsville, the M-Trekker, who, uh, well, we were coming back and he's like, like, why did Idris Elba's voice change when he was doing the monologue like he talks like a military man yep. the entire movie yep. until the big monologue when yeah. he's like, Today, today, <laughs> we are canceling the apocalypse. Yeah. What, 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 hit, hit, hit. Yeah, he turned real British when that happened. By the way, uh, okay, so that guy's British. He him, is British. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. all British. Wait, the he, main he is. British, he's British. It's cool. Let him have his British accent. It's awesome. The actor's great. By the way, he's great in 28 Weeks Later. He plays the American commander in um, uh station where the outbreak happens again. And that's I love that movie, by the way. 28 yeah. Weeks beats Days for me, hands down. Wow, I still haven't seen 28 Weeks. Oh, you should. I you should. I loved Weeks. I liked Weeks a whole lot. I don't know why I liked it so much better than Days. Days was fine, but I thought 28 Weeks Later is a better movie. Anyway, uh, Max Martini, who played... Uh, hold on, get his name right. 
Captain Herc Hansen. He was the dad, the Australian dad. The yeah. reason he sounded like a cartoon of an Australian character is because he ate from there. He's born in New York, raised in the States, has a fake effing accent. Hire real. There are plenty of Australian actors. Just go out and grab one. I mean, I don't know. But uh, half the movies, British people using American accents. I know, so I but they, like they do Turner better than we play. do. They do better than we do. What I'm getting at is American actors are terrible at foreign accents. We're just known for it. We suck at it. Occasionally, someone like, I don't know, who played Obi-Wan Kenobi? Can't think of his name. Oh, yeah, Ewan McGregor. Uh, He'll, he'll come uh, over here and try to be American. And he's like, oh, dude, that's real bad. But for the most part, those people like uh, Superman did, uh, Henry Cavill sounds great. Uh, I, you never once wonder or you know think that uh, Batman's from Wales. That never bothers yeah. you because he just sounds great. Like they're all nailing it. The, the kid playing Spider-Man now doesn't sound like he's British at all. They do well, us better than we do them is what I'm getting at. So, yeah, so all right. Max Martini going, oi, that's a noise. Like, he is totally <laughs> off the chart. He didn't bother me. Although, again, it, that was one of those things where it's like, I guess here's my point with all these characters. We know who they are immediately. Right. And then there's no arc to them except for Iceman. Like, what is the character arc for our main character? Uh, where does he go? He, like, aside from we meet him when they lose and then we end the story when he wins. Yeah. Like, what is his personal character arc? Uh, there isn't one. It's he tries to bang the lady <laughs> and eventually right. get her to fight him, yeah, so she can be his mind partner, right? Brain partner. Uh, and then what? Nothing. They don't even kiss on that apologize. boat. Apologize. They didn't even kiss apologize on the boat. Apologize to her. Yeah. Hers, hers, by the way, was leaking green fluid into the ocean and his wasn't. And I still don't understand why that was the case either. That kind of bugged me. Oh, yeah. I did notice that. Yeah. This is a little bit weird. But they're, you know, enough time. They didn't even kiss. They got on that boat and went, <laughs> not so much, I guess. I mean, she's probably like half his age or something in the story. I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works, but. Yeah, I didn't like any but of that. We don't know. And I guess this is the point. Is that there's just a lot that we don't know. All the things we do know are stupid. And uh, the monsters getting punched by robots are are fine. Well, look, to close things out, I got some news for you regarding uh Grown Ups 2 pummeled yeah. Pacific Rim at the box office. Did. Uh the new Adam Sandler comedy mostly universal or almost universally dismissed by critics has the last laughed. Laughed, blah, whatever I'm trying to say. Not so much uh not so much for fanboy muscle, it says. Despite internet chatter and online buzz, to become the MV of the industry, the $190 million sci-fi opus Pacific Rim could not outmuscle the summer's animated superstar and Adam Sandler sequel to the box office this weekend. So Despicable Me took the box office crown again, second straight weekend, $44.8 million. Bigger story was the new film. Sandler savagely reviewed comedy Grown Ups 2, took second place at 42.5, and looks like right around 30... Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay, 38.3. So not not a terrible third place behind that, but not what they expected, especially at $190 million budget. Probably north of that is my guess. Oh, I mean, yeah, plus marketing and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a big loser for the studio. And whoever has it on their thing this year, who has this If one? it's at $40 million now, expect a 50% drop. You know, so, I mean, it's going to be lucky to hit 80, yeah. 80 or 90. Yeah. I mean, maybe 100. That's bad. Uh, and he, all right, so here's, here's I'd see this, by the way, I would say this. I would see this movie three more times, though, before I'd see Lone Ranger twice. I hated 
You all right? Well, you were hated Lone Ranger. You were the guy who decided to enter into the Lone Ranger sweepstakes. Uh, I, that was a I, bad. I, it was a bad bet. I, I don't know what I was thinking. What I thought. It's just so bad. I hated it. Um, isn't it long too? It's like last of the Mohicans like long. Two and a half hours or some crazy number, and it's 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 terrible. It's just terrible. I don't I don't want to recommend that to anyone. And I like there are people in it I like. I don't even hate Johnny Depp really. But they just this is a this is a really bad movie. The Lone Ranger, the actual Lone Ranger, the character of the Lone Ranger is the worst is the worst representation of that character ever. ever. Well, because that was another thing was I guess like part of that script apparently was like Johnny Depp's like Johnny Depp wanted to do it because he wanted to restore Tonto as the hero of the Lone Ranger mythos. Great. Which is a very weird thing to you know do what? for you a can, franchise that nobody cares about. You can do that if you don't make the other guy extremely unlikable, not heroic in any way, unable to do anything that is cool. Like he's just he's just bad, and he just he sits around and he complains a lot. He's the foil for everything. It's it's just terrible. If you have any love for that, the only here's the only thing I could say. Some absolutely beautiful photography of my home state and like, uh, you know, Arches National Park and stuff like that. Really, really, really pretty uh, uh, vistas and stuff. And that's it. That movie is poop, poop, poop on a stick. Sorry, I cut Uh, you off. Go back. You were. No, that's fine. All right. So here's my explanation for why what happened to the box office happened to the box office. Number one, you have seen a consistent uh, people are hungry for comedy. Yeah. There hasn't been a lot of comedy this year. This was a large, very recognizable comedy. So people didn't want to see another action movie. Uh, There's precious few comedies that are just out. That's why the heat did well, you know? Right. Um, So that's why that did well. Despicable Me, obviously, is a well-reviewed movie. It's a sequel to a extraordinarily successful kiddie franchise. And Pacific Rim, if you looked at those trailers and for those imagine you live in a world where you don't know who Guillermo del Toro is okay right. and or you don't give a fuck who Guillermo del Toro is and right. Hellboy means nothing to you right watch those trailers yeah and it's just a bunch of robots punching monsters it just looks like GoBots it's yeah. GoBots the Transformers yeah but like it, it just looks like a knockoff it does but it but well, yeah. Like from the trailer. So, I mean, that, no, you're right. You, what, if you take the math, all the math of Del Toro being attacked, oh, you're right. You're right. You see that and you just go, well, what is, really, what is the difference between this and, 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 uh, uh, Battleship, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can see that. So, like, that's why it did poorly. That's why, uh, you know, I, I, I actually think that, uh, Elysium is going to be the same thing. I don't think Elysium is going to be, uh, District nine, ten, right? Ten and a half. District ten. Here, here's the thing. District nine was awesome, and 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 it was district. District nine was awesome because Blomkamp approached this material from like an independent filmmaker's point of view, and he made science fiction on a budget, and it and it turned out kind of awesome, and just as gritty and a cool take on this idea of of you know what if the aliens came here and they were derelict and terrible and and had nothing to do and all and and we treated them like we have so many times in the past like less than human and you know all that that stuff's great elysium will live or die based on them being able to take this new concept which is some people are better than other people so we're going to put them up in this cool space station thing 
and that's where all the good people are going to go that we like and have money. And then all you other people have no money and no life or whatever. You're, you're not good enough for us. You're going to be down here. And this guy transcends those things and, 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 and all of that kind of interesting human talk about class and about place and life and all that could be really, really good. But nobody's going to go – if we're talking box office success – yeah. Nobody goes, oh, Neil Bloomkamp's doing a new movie? You don't even know who that is. No one knows who Del Toro is. Not really. We all do. But again, you're talking about this insulated group that all follows yeah. each other on Twitter. I totally agree with this. Now, if J.J. Abrams was coming out with a brand new movie called Pacific Rim about giant robots fighting, you can bet that more of the mainstream moviegoership would go, oh, yeah, I know him. He's done yeah. all these other things. Even Even that name's a little iffy. Right, so this isn't like Spielberg or Lucas or some other giant name that everybody everywhere always has, has heard of. So I totally agree with you. If this, they are not gate the the favor that you should get from a big name being attached is not happening here, except well, with us. And, and if you look at Elysium, like the villain is space capitalism, like basically, it, it's not. Again, it's all comprehension. It's like for the average audience, can you explain it in a trailer? Can you explain it in a commercial? Yeah. And like, you know, or, or can you present elements of that story that's compelling uh, for an audience in a trailer or a commercial? And I don't know that they can for Elysium. I don't think that they could in any way for Pacific Rim because what I worried about Pacific Rim and the trailers and the commercials were – all I saw was robots punching monsters and I didn't see any kind of character elements that made it look fun. Yeah. And like, then we got the movie and it was exactly that. The only fun elements were the ro- robots punching the monsters. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's not, and good everybody's enough. saying like, Oh, well, uh, Matt Damon will, you know, bring in more money because he's Matt Damon. Well, tell that to the people behind promised land, which came out last year no, geez, and no. we bought a zoo. Right, I forgot about both those, and so did everybody else. Okay, here's yeah. here here is the the movie I would say people should see. So when, when I think this is a thing we could do on the show, if we don't like what we saw and we kind of didn't hear, or you know sure. it has problems, whatever, whatever our differing opinions may be, I I am I am comfortable in saying I didn't like the movie. Yeah, I'm comfortable in saying I am overall disappointed, and I'm not in any hurry to see it again. I yeah. I did like the fights, but that's really about it. Um, so. I would say this. If you want to see a movie about robots that are not, you know, they're not smart, they're not AI robots, but they're controlled by people that actually kind of blew my mind and, uh, I don't know, way exceeded my expectations and is still very entertaining and fun. And I've seen it twice now and loved it both times. Uh, and I may be alone with this, but anyway, it's that. Bicentennial Man. No, that's <laughs> not it. Not even close. No, it was that Hugh Jackman movie. Um. Oh. Uh. Uh. Um, the name just left me. Not robot Real jocks. Steel. Real Steel. Loved I Steel. loved Real Steel and Real Steel. Think about it. Real Steel kind of is this movie. It's a smaller scale, but it's the same movie. It's this. Let's have giant things compete against one another. But in this case, let's have that giant thing only be seven feet tall. And let me control. And instead it of ripping off room. Top Gun, let's rip off Rocky. Yeah, it's a Rocky ripoff. Absolutely, it's a Rocky ripoff for sure. But it's totally believable and fun. They get it. They get their own stink, and they smell it, and they, 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 I can laugh at it, and it's kind of you know uh, characters I care about again, and and even this inanimate but, and, object right, so I cared this, about, like it was, I liked know, that a lot. 
It was the dad who had left his son on the wrong side of the tracks, coming back and reuniting with him and bonding with him on this one thing. It's a story we've seen a million times, yeah. but it was done well. The kid was good. Jackman was good. Yep. The lady from Lost was good. Like <laughs> yeah, it was, was it good. was just it was so I love that. I want to go see that with my little brother. And he must have been like four. Yeah. And uh he like left doing the the robot dance out of the theater. Yeah. Like it was just a fun movie. Yeah, no, it um, was it was great. It was fun. It was good. And again, same kind of expectations going in. Totally surprised coming out at how how much just fun I had with it. And I was fine. I was fine with this kind of. I know I've seen Karate Kid twenty times. I've seen Rocky a hundred times. This was like a gift to people who like those movies, but with robots. And that's what I wanted here. I wanted Well and, and you know the odd thing about it is that like if you look at the, the large canon of sports movies, the yeah. best ones are the ones that tell a story within the framework of the rules of the game. Right. And like what Rocky did well and this one copied all the beats from Rocky, so it did well, uh, was just like it made you care. It made you a better boxing fan, if that sounds weird. Sure, like sure. it made you understand the rules and care about the rules and the way that Hoosiers made you care about basketball and stuff like that. Right. Like you just you understood some of these strategy and uh because you were living and dying by this person in the middle of this, you know, or this robot in that in that movie's case, in the middle of the sport. And I think it was just it's exceptionally well done in that regard. That's a, that's an interesting point. If you give your if you give your movie clearly defined rules, rules you can get your head around quickly, easily, and understand, and then know that you have to play within those rules, you have a better chance of nailing it. And Pacific Rim had no rules, and you didn't know what the boundaries were, so they were making them up as as you went. You noticed the plot holes because well, wait, didn't they just say this? But then that happened. Like the the, the rules were this moving target in a movie like that, in a movie like Rocky, in a movie like my favorite probably my favorite sports movie of all time, which was Miracle. Um, yeah. Freaking love that movie. And it's because you understand how hockey works. You know it's a real story. That helps too. But, but it- And also, like, you get a sense of the gravity of that tournament and, and specifically like what that meant, like what the Olympics meant, what that team meant. Like there, mm-hmm. was, there was all these, these little beats where, you know, it was a team of kind of nobodies and, and what, that, what that dynamic was and what they achieved. It makes you feel what they achieved more than just knowing like, Oh yeah, no, that was a big thing. Yeah. And they did this. I mean, they screwed it up in star Wars. They established kind of a, a a mystic truth about what the force was and what Jedi's were. And then Lucas decided to change the rules, move the markers around and you get into trouble when you do that. You can make it vague. You can still make it sort of vagueish. You can say that star Trek is mostly about the prime directive and being careful with alien races and exploring and watch your step with the Federation. Cause sometimes there's a little corruption. I mean, you can make, your kind of generalized Star Trek-y playground. And as long as you stay in there, the audience, it doesn't feel like they're getting, you know, shit on, <laughs> for lack of a better way of saying it. Yeah. And and Lone Ranger blew all their rules. Yeah, there are certain rules to Westerns and to the Lone Ranger in, in general. And they, they decided to just mess with all that. Pacific Rim made up their own thing and didn't really clearly define any of that. I, I know it's hard. I'm not here on this podcast of two dudes hanging out saying that this is an easy thing. I'm just saying the best films pull it off. That's all. Well, there, yeah, there are examples of pulling it off. And I guess, again, for everybody who's like, I just went into it wanting to see a robot punch a monster. Right. And he sure did. And then there were <laughs> other robots who punched other monsters. Yeah. So it exceeded my expectations. Right. Fine. Groovy. That's awesome. 
I was disappointed because I'd seen Guillermo del Toro do better and I was expecting him to do a similar work yep. in this one. Yep. Or at least something close to Hellboy is what I'd hoped. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'll do my, I did not like this movie, but I'm going to go ahead and recommend again to everybody. The more I think about it, the more I love that Cloverfield is the movie of the summer of 2013 in a movie of nothing but cities falling constantly due to outside interference and nobody giving a rat's ass about who is in the buildings. Yeah. I think that a movie all about those people is, is what uh, we should all watch. Yeah. And Lizzie Kaplan's hot. So watch. So hot. So hot. So hot. I don't know what it is about her. Something about her. Well, I know what it is. She's hot. I don't have to, I don't have to figure it out. Uh, so there you go, folks. It's Pacific Rim. See it at your own risk. Uh, eh, Blu-ray rental is that I, I would give it. We got to come up with some ratings, but I'd say you could Blu-ray rental this. I think. That's, I mean, that's okay. I don't know. I always feel weird about that because it's just like I don't. Everybody has their own thing. Right. Like everyone's like like Pacific Rim. If people said like oh, Pacific Rim kind of sucks, I'm still gonna see it. Like I got a text from Andrew Maine, who is somebody that I have talked probably more about movies with than anybody else on the planet. Right. That uh, saw Man of Steel and he was like walked out sucked terrible awful <laughs> and that's like harsh for him because he very sure. very rarely does that and i still want to go man of steel you know yeah, like you were gonna know not see it yeah yeah and so if you're really into it go see it because like i'm i'm not going to presume that my you know point of view is your point of view you might go out and dig it that'd be cool but if the point of this podcast is to listen to me and scott's opinions on things that's me and scott's opinion there you go uh, do with it what you want. That's going to do it for us, folks. Now, uh, real quick bit of business. Probably going to have this show on its own feed soon. Right now, it's still on the Ultra feed, on the uh, Frog Pants Ultra feed. So there is a way to get it. You can get it on the site, frogpants.com. We'll have a link to it as well. Um, please just pay attention to our Twitter accounts. I'm at Scott Johnson. Justin's at Justin R. Young. We will announce when an actual feed is there dedicated to this, bringing you more movies, more spoilers, and more stuff down the road. I think that's yeah. it. Justin, thanks so much for hanging out, man. Always a pleasure, my friend. Goodbye, everyone.